You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Welcome back to a new episode today. Um, I have a really special guest and a friend of mine that I met online, like a lot of my friends nowadays. Um, uh, here with me, it's Chris Lunar. He has been one of the brightest stars in in in, in, in the end of 2020. Um, so, Chris, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming over. Uh, and I know we're going to have a really amazing conversation today. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, it's so great to be here. Uh, my name is Chris Lunar. I'm a freelance production manager in New York City um, where I work on off-Broadway, Broadway shows as well as regionally. And, um, you know, I'm, I work just about wherever theater is. I'm interested in doing that. So um, I'm originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but I went to college in New York at Wagner College, where I got a degree in arts administration with a theater concentration. And, um, you know, I moved to the city ever since, uh, right after graduating and have been there ever since. So you started at Wagner and straight out of college, you started working. Yes. Yes, I was very lucky, too. And which was your first gig? It was not, you know, it wasn't my first gig. I was lucky. Um, we actually have a really great program here uh, in my hometown where I live called Upper Derby Summer Stage, which uh, I have to give all the credit to for where I am today, honestly. Um, it was started in 1976 by a gentleman named Harry Dietzler, and he is someone who took me under his wing and said, I believe in you and just sort of sh sh like shined to the flashlight on the path forward and was there to help me out along the way. So, and he was the one, you know, who even told me about arts administration when I came to him and said, you know, I want to, I want to work in theater after high school and I think I want to do what you do. What is that? And so he was the one who introduced me to arts administration and, um, So immediately after college, I was very lucky. I came home and I was able to work in a position in my hometown that I just love and absolutely cherish. That that's awesome. I mean, we we all started. I, I'm I'm gonna guess before high school or during high school, um, and those years are specifically important for us because that's when we choose if we want to be thespians or not, <laughs> um, if, if we see a future in theater or not. Um, and that's yeah. amazing that you found someone that you could trust in and ask for advice on how to start your, your, your path. Um, you never, you were never into, um, performing. You know, so funny enough, I was going to say, I actually started as a performer in theater and I started in middle school And I saw the play, I think my sixth grade year in middle school. And I thought, oh, wow, that's like, 
that's so cool. I'd love to be involved in that. And so when the time came around in seventh grade, my music teacher in middle school who ran the school shows came and found me and was like, you're doing the musical. And so she sort of like forced me into doing the musical. And it's so funny. I still chat with her, you know, even to this day. And I'm like, look at the, look at this life you forced upon me. <laughs> I fallen down the rabbit hole and there was no looking back after that. So I actually started as a performer and then, um, uh, slowly transitioned into doing more like administrative behind the scenes type of work. And which musical did you do? You were, were imposed to do. My first show ever I was forced to do was um, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Amazing. You're a good Such man, a great Charlie Brown. Special <laughs> place. Oh, I know. It's so catchy. It's so catchy. I love it. <laughs> so you went to, to Wagner for arts administration with a concentration in theater. Yes. Um, did you study anything about film there? Or oh, it was only theater? No, you know, it was actually only theater. And ironically, I actually started off in the technical theater program, mm -hmm. which is called DTM for Design Technology Management. And I did about a year of that. And I enjoyed it. And I really learned a lot. Um, but I just could tell like the, my focus was slightly off. So I actually transitioned and became an arts administration major my sophomore year, which is great because you're allowed to do that at Wagner. It's really nice. Um, but by staying with the theater concentration, I was able to take, um, you know, a lighting design class and a scenic design class and all of those different things and focus in it. Um, and, but Wagner unfortunately didn't really have, um, any programs in film at the time. I think they're sort of starting to open that up and get more into including media in their performing arts program, but uh, at the time, no. So only theater for you? Well, I, I've been a very hardcore, like, I want to work on Broadway, I want to do theater, like, as, lo as long as I can remember now. I've never been like, I want to go to Hollywood, but I'm very much like a New York theater type of guy. I, I feel you. I understand you on yeah. that. It's I only yeah. have yeah. eyes for Broadway at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel that, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go into regional and national tours. So Okay, great. I know you've you've done a lot. I mean I saw your resume and there's a lot of things there. Best experience on national tours. Oh man experience on national tours that's a hard one um i mean you know i got to tour almost immediately out of school um with a show called the illusionist witness the impossible and it was like a big broadway style magic show you know it was sort of like you take that like vegas show and it was like enhanced by the magic of broadway um and i got to work on the broadway version of the show Thanks to another mentor of mine, Arturo Parazzi, who is a Broadway stage manager, has been in the industry forever and was actually my teacher at Wagner and taught my stage management class. And again, someone who just believed in me and said, I know you have the potential. And he let me work on the Broadway run with him as an assistant. And then when it came time to do the tour, he let me actually take the show out on the road as the production stage manager, which was incredible like life experience. And I always suggest people go on tour if they can. Um, it just like, it teaches you so quickly what you do know and what you don't know when you every single week have to do the same exact show and give the same exact performance in a 
venue that's a different size with a crew that doesn't know your show and it just helps you hone your skills and I think it really really helped me um, figure out more of who I was in theater and helped me also learn what I did and didn't know. I actually saw that show when the illusionists were on their worldwide tour. They came yeah. to Columbia oh, and I saw them and I was like wow. I, I had never seen magic on Broadway except for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child um, <clears throat> but as a magic magic show only magic show uh, I have never seen that anything like that on Broadway and I was like taken back when I saw this show and, and I only thought that Broadway was for theater and musicals uh, so it was a, a really good surprise to know that magic had a place on Broadway that was amazing um, yeah And with regionals? So, oh, best, like, good experience? I mean, yeah. regional theater, you know, I've been very lucky. And when I, you know, after I graduated, I sort of was, again, you know, finding my place. Um, I did some office work for a little while and figured out that wasn't for me, you know, um, but learned the importance of it in the theater world. Um, and then when I actually eventually started working my way into being, like, a more freelance stage manager and production manager... Mm -hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to get a job with a friend's company called Exit 82 Theater Company in New Jersey. And it was two friends who I went to college with, and they had started this company when they were in high school. And now I want to say it's like in its 10th year, maybe it's 12th year or something along those lines. Um, but I would say I always... I always just cherish that experience working with them because it was one of my first freelance gigs. And again, you know, they believed in me and said, we know you can do this. And it lit a fire under me. So I, I really love Exit 82 Theater Company and I'm just dying to work with them again someday. Right now, you, you said that going on tour was the space or the time in which you knew what you know and didn't know about production management or stage management. Um, what are those specific things you learned, maybe not the hard way, but on the road? Being on tour. On the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, th I would say like one of the biggest things that is also, it's such a big thing with me today and how I work in New York and things is, I think, I mean, communication is everything. And, you know, you figure out, how you figure out how to speak to people and you figure out how not to speak to people, you know, and that's not saying I was ever outright rude or something like that, but, um, maybe just like uneducated on certain things about when it comes to how to fly in a certain scenic piece or how elements have to move on and off off stage. You know, I was, I was very young and just had graduated college and you have all that, you have like all that college experience But I just also think nothing compares to real life experience, you know, when you're working with professional union stagehands in Atlanta and Los Angeles and Chicago. And I mean, some of these people are just like top, top notch people who have been in the industry for decades and they know how a lighting, how the lighting equipment works, you know, and things. It's like that. And so there's a lot to take in. And so I think a lot of it came down to communication and also just um, asking questions and not being afraid to ask questions. And I think it's really important to own what you don't know. I think that only makes you a better person um, in the long run. You know, it's, it's great to be a leader who knows what they're good at, but it's even better to be a leader who 
knows what they're not good at and they can fill in the gaps. I actually absolutely agree with you. Um, I'm, I, I just, I'm fresh out of college. Um, and yes, college experience is valuable. It's what makes us, uh, but it's so different to real life. So, so different. It's like, it's like you're in, in, when you're in college, you're in a bubble, in a safe bubble. <laughs> and then yeah. out of the blue, you're not in the bubble and you're, you're, you have to challenge yourself and you have to face a lot of things you're not used to and a lot of new people that will teach you sometimes sugarcoated, sometimes the hard way, um, the best potential you can do and, and, and the best professional being you can be. So, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, Let's dive a bit into West Side Story because you were um, a production manager at the latest revival that I think it's been the most um, maybe iconic, controversial because it's a really, really millennial approach to a classic. Um, how was that whole process for you? But Westside was a whirlwind experience, you know. I um, I was lucky enough to work on it through a company I work with called uh, Full Stage Productions. They're a production management company in New York that does uh, Broadway and national tour style shows. Um, so I was lucky enough to work on the show with them. Um, but it was sort of a whirlwind that we ended up working on the show. And um, like you said, you know, it's a total remake on a classic that people know and it's uh what what they decided to do you know was take some something so iconic especially in like american musical theater because it's such mm -hmm. an american musical theater story and also a new york story mm -hmm. i mean it is it is like arguably i mean that soundtrack you could argue is at heart the soundtrack of new york um but they took just a classic and reinvented it and flipped it on its head and said, and just like stripped away a bunch and things like that. You know, I don't want to give away too much to the people who haven't seen it. Um, but I, I was, and I'm, and I'm very much, you know, like, uh, I like the meat on the bone when it comes to musical theater. You know, I love the like full scale production, all the props and the drops and the costumes. And this was something so totally different than that. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. I honestly just thought it was brilliant. I was, I loved the way they approached it. And I think it was a nice reminder that there is another way to do things, you know, and there, and not, you know, we don't necessarily need to always reinvent the wheel in the same exact manner, you know, as we continue to push forward and as we continue to work with new types of technology, which we definitely integrated into the show. Um, there, there's a space for that on Broadway as well. And there is a medium for it. And it's just as important as, doing doing a show the way the show was done 50 years ago you know it, it brings it brings in a whole new audience i like the way you presented in in this new transformation of the classic because i do agree that it's new york's background music forever <laughs> yeah um, yeah the, the i mean the score is just incredible the score is so good and What was the biggest challenge you faced with Westside? 
the biggest challenge. I mean, so as a production manager, you work with um, all of the elements in the theater, you know, and that's something I really love about the job is I love working with the lighting designer and the scenic designer and the musicians. And then you meet the cast eventually when they come in. Um, and I think, you know, maybe one of the hardest things about West side is we introduced multiple elements into a theater setting that aren't typically a part of the process. You know, I'll say that, um, environmentally and also technology wise without giving anything away. So I would say that maybe the biggest hurdle in the process was not only working with and integrating new departments that you're not always working with, um, but how, how do all of those elements work together? Which, of course, is my job. So we had to figure out how to do it regardless at the end of the day. But it was just it was it was pretty tough to kind of, you know, figure out, you know, how do you integrate all these new elements that aren't typically involved in a theatrical show? Mm -hmm in addition to making sure everything else that's usually there is there. So um, it, was, it was definitely a challenge to get it all in one piece and up and running, uh, but we got there and I think the product, I think audiences are really responding to the product. I think they love the show and it's, it's nice to see how it works together, you know? It's, I, think, I, think, I think it surprises people, the new, the new stuff that's in there. Yeah, and I remember reading reviews about the show. Um, I remember the, the, the one of the first ones was, they cut my favorite song. And I was like, why would you cut a song from such a classic as West Side? But then, as you just said, we are always reinventing the wheel and doing the same thing over and over and over as it, it's been done a thousand times before. And I think what is really valuable about this version and this revival is exactly that. We are putting the same story, the same characters, uh, the same music, probably the same dance move Jerome Robbins used for the first time it, it was made. Um, but we're adding like spice to it and we, we are we're adding a lot of new stuff, new technology. Um, And that is valuable because that means that there are people in the industry always thinking about how can we use modern technology and modern stuff into classics. Um, I think it's important. I mean, I agree. I think, you know, people talk about like theater kind of getting stuck sometimes, mm -hmm. getting stuck, you know, in the 21st century or things like that. And I think... Um, I think there, I think, you know, the way forward from that and getting stuck in that sort of, uh, cliche is, you know, don't be afraid to use new technology. Don't be afraid to not necessarily modernize the story, but make the story look familiar to the audience that you're catering to, you know? And I think that can be done with every show, but I think it takes a lot of hard work and, um, It definitely takes uh, a, a significant amount of funds, you know? I mean, shows like that are produced on Broadway cost um, quite a bit of money. But, I mean, I think I think that's... You, you, you can only push the art form forward when people are brave enough to say, let's figure out how to do this mm -hmm. or let's figure out how to reinvent the wheel. So you're spot on there. Yeah. Um, what else have you done on Broadway? So on Broadway, I've worked on a play. I worked on a play a couple years ago called Indecent. By Paula Vogel, 
Um, it was nominated for a Tony Award for uh, Best New Play. Uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic piece. If you haven't read it, I definitely suggest that everyone check it out. And then um, I worked on Pretty Woman the Musical about two years ago, and we had a great year-long run at the Niederlander. And uh, we're going to be working on the national tour of that soon, uh, which is going to be hitting the road, you know, hopefully right after COVID is over and it's safe for us to all gather again. I'm really excited about that. Um, And then, you know, I work, like I mentioned, I work with a production management company called Full Stage. And through them, I've gotten to work on uh, little pieces of things here and there. You know, uh, they one of their shows was On Your Feet, the Gloria Estefan musical. Mm-hmm. So I got to work on the loadout process for that. And um, there are occasionally some fun things that come up with that um, from time to time. So, you know, ironic, ironically, I'll say um, my first Broadway show ever was actually supposed to be Nerds, which was back in 2000. 15 I think it was the season of Hamilton and um the show unfortunately ended up closing uh in Loden and um you can there's a bunch of articles and things like that on the show but it was a it was a very unfortunate circumstance where the money wasn't in place for the show and it ended up closing in the middle of a Loden process uh, before we ever even got to technical rehearsals. So that was quite a wild experience to be my first ever Broadway show was then something that we didn't even end up finishing in the long run and never made it to the stage, sadly. It happens. It happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, theater. <laughs> yeah, that's theater. And obviously that's Broadway. I mean, there's a lot of plays and shows out there that are trying to get into a Broadway house or a Broadway house. And they never make it. Yes. Um, and it's a loss because the show can be amazing, but sadly it had to be shut down. Yeah, it's all about, I think it's a lot about place and time and just the timing being right and also the audience being there, you know? I mean, some shows that don't necessarily do well in New York or do well on Broadway are hotcakes on the road you know and it's because that maybe just the audience wasn't there in new york but that audience is there across the nation and it's there in oklahoma or utah or something like that so i think there's a place for every show in the long run though yep yep absolutely one big question that will cover your overall experience as a production manager what are the perks and pet peeves of a production manager Um, you know, I would, I'll start by saying, I'll start with the perks, you know, because I'm a very optimistic person, as you know, Um, I would say the perks. And one of the reasons why I'm even in production management is like, you get to work, like I said earlier, with everyone, you sort of have a hand in the process. Every step of the way we start months, sometimes years before a show ever comes to life on the stage working with the directors and the designers and um, we're there on the very last day when the final day of loadout is done. So that's something I love is I love being involved every step of the way. And I also love having being involved with all those different um, people that are involved. I think community is such a huge part of our business. And I love being like one of those people who gets to help connect the community on a specific show at a specific time. Um, So I love, I mean, I love that. And I think it's also a perk, I would say, is a great, it's a great um, half and half of like, 
hands-on experience, which I really like. And I like being in the theater and sitting there during the tech rehearsals and solving problems when they come up. Um, but also there's a good deal of administrative work and managerial work, you know, in terms of like spreadsheets and budget reports and payroll. And um, I learned all that through my business classes I took in college. So I think it's kind of the perfect half and half job for me, you know, where it's not too much of one or the other. Um, you know, a pet peeve is, oh man, I'm trying to think of a <laughs> pet peeve. I would say like, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really big on like communication. I just love like everyone being honest and open and things like that. I would say like, not necessarily a pet peeve because I don't want to get too negative, but like something that's always hard is like, you know, with any show, we always wish there was more money or we always wish there was more time and things like that. So um, a big part of my job is like taking designs that designers give me or like equipment lists and things like that. And we sort of look through version one of what they want and you, you always are going to refine it after that. You know, there's never enough money or time for exactly everything we want in the long run. So there's a lot of refining about that. Um, but, you know, I think in the long run that probably makes us better uh, because it makes us figure out what really matters in terms of element and what really serves the story. Um, but in terms of pet peeves, it's always, I think it's always just hard to go through with people and say like, okay, we, we can't do this, but maybe we can do this instead. So, um, yeah. Maybe yeah. not option A, but option B, C, and D are possible exactly. <laughs> with the budget yeah. and time we have. Exactly. If plan A doesn't work, there's 25 more letters in the alphabet. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going until you get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, during COVID, you worked as a producer for a film. And this was your yes. first time doing film. It was. I want to know everything about your experiences in film. <laughs> I mean, what you know? What better time to try out an industry you've never worked in before in your life or know anything about than during the middle of a global pandemic? <laughs> um, I, I mean, honestly, I would say you know the project actually came from me and my girlfriend Aubrey, who was one of the co-producers. Uh, she's originally from Austin, Texas, and we escaped to Austin, Texas at one point over the summer, you know, just needed some fresh air, needed to be out of our New York apartment. And we visited a ranch property while we were down there. That was just like absolutely stunning. I'm like just stunning landscapes and trees and ponds. And we were thinking at the time, you know, we thought, oh, maybe we should do some type of like outdoor show or things like that. And that very quickly went away when we figured out all of the logistics involved with that was just a little, probably too much to take on during a pandemic. Uh, but we very quickly sort of shifted and said, well, what if we made a film? And so we started thinking about ideas for the film and things like that. And we immediately called one of our good friends, Sophie, who is a writer director and also became one of the co-producers on the project. It was the three of us. And we sort of said, Hey, we have this idea for a film Uh, we have a property, and I think we have plenty of time because the world is kind of stuck at the moment. Are you interested? And she was like, absolutely. I'll get back to you next week with more ideas about the script. And we were like, cool. And so that was honestly probably like end of June, early July at one day, maybe early July. And then 
we quickly kind of sort of figured out with the weather and things like that, we would have to shoot the film probably in November because at that point we were still like, oh, the world might be reopening in January, February. Joke's on us now. <laughs> um, but we sort of figured out we wanted to shoot the film in November. And so it was sort of like a full speed ahead four months of figuring out how to produce and create a feature film with people in Texas safely during a pandemic. So that was quite the experience. It was, it was, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of, a lot of details, a lot of like, how are people getting here? We, we can, we can feed people. We can house people. What does the story involve? How do we do this safely? How do we make sure COVID doesn't ruin our limited time we have, you know? So, um, I mean, if you're ever bored during a global pandemic, just decide to learn a medium you've never worked in before. So, <laughs> yeah, but it was a, it was really amazing. It was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. The film is called Ranch Water. I don't think I've said that. Um, it's a wonderful, it's a really wonderful story about three sisters who grew up on this ranch mm-hmm. um, uh, with their grandmother. And the film actually takes place place on the ranch a year after the grandmother has died and the girls have um sold the property so the story is sort of about their last weekend at this property that they've grown up in their entire lives and you know there's family friends who come to visit and people they grew up with in town and as always it's never a dull moment and there's drama and love involved and letting go of the past so um i'm really excited about it I, I, I've been following, since you told me a couple of months ago about the production of, of this film, um, and it was a roller coaster. I mean, it was thing after thing after thing. Uh, and the pictures I've seen, um, it looks amazing. I mean, the, the landscape of the ranch is amazing. Um, and it, I, I mean, it, it, it brings me a lot of joy and a lot of faith in we are going to get through this and through this crappy year and crappy pandemic um, because we are not, we haven't stopped creating at any moment. And if there is a will, there is a way. And I think that really happened with this film because a lot, yeah. of, a lot of us transferred to another type of industries Uh, and left the arts behind, but people like you and Sophie and Aubrey uh, stayed and like stood ground on we are keep we're gonna keep creating and we are going to keep being in the arts. Um, and I know you you did a crowdfund. Uh, and what stage are you in right now with the with the film? Yeah, so we we did a, we did a crowdfunding, you know, like we said, and we were very lucky. We raised the fifteen thousand dollars that we were looking to raise, which was incredible. Um, and we so now we're in the process, you know, we're working through a list of like potential editors and sound mixers and colorists and things like that. And we're sort of like steam ahead uh, with the start of the new year, and we're going to try to really like knock out the editing process because we want to be included in next year's uh, upcoming film festivals mm -hmm. um and we're really excited about that because i think it's also really exciting that coming out of covid we say here's a full-length feature film you know i mean 
I think I just I don't I, I don't I don't personally know anyone else who's doing that. I know there are Hollywood studios doing that for later down the line. Um, but you know, like you said, I mean, truly, this project came out of a will to create and us saying, as the most creative industry in the world, why have we not figured out creative new ways to work? You know, I have to give credit to Aubrey for that because Aubrey was also one of the ones who was really pushing to say, we need, there, there is a creative solution forward here. So what is it? And we luckily, the three of us figured it out together and it was a safe, successful shoot. And I'm really, really excited to share the product with everyone in 2021. As, as, as we've said before, this was your first time doing film and you not only were the producer, but you were the AD. How was that? Mm -hmm. Because that was a total new role for you. Yeah. So Sophie had, Aubrey had, Aubrey's actually been suggesting to me for years that I look into AD work um, because it's essentially like I've talked about it, I think with people is like, it's kind of like stage management a little bit in film, you know, they're the person who runs the set, make sure everything stays on schedule. Everyone gets what they need. And um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I loved it. I was like, I felt like I like thrived in that position and I'm sure it was easy, you know, working with friends and things like that, but what a perfect first environment to try out a job that I wasn't necessarily aware of all the duties. Um, but I mean, I, I really loved the AD work and I know it's different in every capacity, whether it's, you know, on a film set, it's like, there's a lot of like the running of making sure the schedule stays on time, but in television, sometimes the AD is actually calling camera shots and things like that. Um, and I think I sort of agreed to being the assistant director not fully knowing what it involved, but I was just sort of like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, and there was a lot of that on set of like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then me being like, wait, so what does this entail? <laughs> um, so <laughs> it was, I mean, I really loved it though, you know, and I am definitely interested in doing it again on future projects. And I, I, I would even say I'm open to doing it um, in like a more legit professional setting. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, I'm sure I can't waltz in the door and start out as an AD, but if I can figure out how to maybe be someone's assistant and watch how they do it in Hollywood, I would definitely be interested in that. Actually, being AD is one of my favorite jobs. It's my plan B, like in, in, in an order of jobs or roles I would love to. If performing <laughs> fails, I know that I would love to be an AD. I've, I've been AD for theater and for film, um, and... I mean, organizing people is something I really do enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel you. Yeah. And, and like covering everyone and knowing everything that's happening on set or on stage uh, and backstage. I just love it. And yeah, which was the biggest thing you've learned transferring for fi on film for the first time? moments where it's like oh that didn't happen tonight all right um 
but it's sort of interesting in film, you know, it's like if there's a mistake, it's sort of just like, okay, cut, we'll, we'll go back and do that, you know, well, let's go back and fix that. But just even like, you know, the multiple takes and, you know, as we head into post here, figuring out like, oh, I want to use the first half of take three and the second half of take four. And it's like, it's just like, I mean, editing and all that can be involved with that and um, the continuity that is involved with the script supervisor's job. It was just so amazing to learn all of the elements that go into film that we don't necessarily deal with on the theater scene um, or on the theater side of it. Um, but also so much of it, I think, transferred over and so much of like, you know, organizational skills, things like you were talking about, just communicating with people, keeping everyone on schedule, things like that. So much of it just easily transitioned over. And even the things that transitioned over but didn't have the same titles, uh, I was able to sort of like figure that out along the way. And I loved that. And it was nice knowing that there was more simul- similarities than differences in the long run. And those bridges we can build between... In the end, it's the same industry, but the bridges we can build between theater and film are big. And we can transfer a lot of skills from one another um, and like feed them each time. Um, one of the last things I, w I want to know about is what other projects do you have in mind? Like, I mean, it... We, we know that theaters won't be back, won't be open uh, soon. Hopefully it will be summer 2021. Uh, but what, what other projects do you have in mind? Um, I, I, almost, I, you know, I almost wish you could ask this question to Aubrey, because if I ever say, oh, I have another idea, she's going to probably throw me in front of an MTA bus. <laughs> um, I always have such an idea person. Um, I like, I love having ideas. Um, so, you know, honestly, I have like a sort of a wide range of ideas of like so many different like stories that come to life or things like that, you know, and something I think I've always sort of struggled a little bit, struggled with a little bit is like, is this a story that I would see more on stage or on film? And, you know, having done film now, I feel a little bit more like, oh, that is a possibility. Whereas before I was like, well, I have this idea for something, but I'm not really sure it's a play and it definitely isn't a musical or things like that. And now I sort of have been introduced to this new medium where I'm able to say, oh, that's also a possibility. Um, So, you know, I have probably like a little like notebook or something like that full of ideas. Um, I'm in the immediate future, you know, I've really been trying to advocate, as you know, you know, for our industry and how essential I think theater is and how essential artists are in our community, uh, no matter where they are in the world. Um, so I'm trying to brainstorm at the moment something I can sort of do along those lines while we still luckily and unfortunately have the time. Uh, but, you know, if there's some type of project or some type of, you know, small collection of film type work I can do with people to talk about how important our industry is and why artists matter and why we're still going to be here when this is all over. Um, but we're going to need you to come back to the theater. Uh, that's sort of like my most immediate plans, I would say, in the future is something that benefits our industry in the long run. And that's something I love about you, that you're always so positive, so enthusiastic about we are going to get back and we are going to get back stronger than ever. 
and we are going to recover one way or the other. And that that is something I, I, I feel a lot of people have lost this year, oh, like faith in what we love and what we do. Um, and on the other side, there is people like you that is always a shining light there. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you because you've thank been you. an advocate and an, and, an, and an enthusiast about it. Uh, and we need more people like you. In, in yeah. right now. <laughs> Thank And you. I appreciate that. My last question, you have to answer quick. Oh, boy. Top five favorite musical theater shows. Oh, no brainers. That's, that's, uh, first of all, Ragtime. One of my favorite shows of all time. Love Ragtime. Second, I would say uh, The Scottsboro Boys. Another really not well-known musical. Love that one. <laughs> Um, third, I would say, oh man, this is hard. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, look, I was like looking for answers. Um, you know, third, I would say something like, I love, I love, um, crazy for you. That's a really great Gershwin musical. There's so many. Fourth, I would say I'm such a, I'm such a sucker for Disney. I love Mary Poppins. I think Mary Poppins, the stage adaptation is like, as good as musical theater gets it's so, so good and then five um i'll say les mis i'm such a i'm such a sucker for those big british mega hits but les mis <laughs> is just like i mean it doesn't get better than les mis that's iconic musical theater my, my brother saw les mis the the film adaptation during pandemic a couple a couple months ago and he was like I, I remember reading this. I didn't know it was a musical. I didn't know it was a musical film. But I have to see this in part because it's so dense and I cannot stand that all of it is sung. And I'm like, yeah. dude, it's musical theater. What are you expecting? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lame is just like buckle up musical theater like they are moving and it is intense like three hours long but i mean i think you gotta be you gotta be committed if you really like love that so but um yeah but i honestly if you'd ask me next week what my five favorite musicals are besides ragtime and scottsboro boys the other three might be interchangeable so um <laughs> but that's 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 what immediately comes to mind so that's probably correct <laughs> well chris thank you so much for being over um i loved having you Uh, and thank you for having me. This is so great. And thank you for, for being so open and giving us all your experience in, 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 in theater and film. I wish Ranch Water the best. Uh, and let's make a lot of noise for this film. Yes, absolutely. Let's do this. Thank you so, so much. See you soon. Thank you. Yes, we'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 